Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord, and I just thank you for the opportunity to gather together, Father. I just pray for our time, Lord. I pray, Father, that um, you would protect it. Um, Holy Spirit, and I just pray that um, that we would receive whatever you would have for us and that we would respond with urgency and with conviction. And I just thank you that your word never returns void and that your word is alive and active and um, applicable for today as it was um, yesterday and as it will be tomorrow, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, Father, that your word declares that it's the truth that sets us free. And I pray today, God, that we would be attentive to your truth. Father, that we would yield our lives, Lord, to you. Holy Spirit, that you would lead, guide, and direct us. You are our counselor, our teacher. Father, I lift up Christina's dad to you. Lord, as Carrie just shared with me that, Father, he's been given the diagnosis of cancer. The doctors have given no hope of recovery, no hope of a transplant for his liver. But Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all hope. Father, I commit this man unto you. We pray, God, for a miracle. Father, for you are the great physician. You are a God that heals. And so, Father, we pray for healing to this man's body. We pray, God, that you would raise him up from the sickbed, Lord. And that, God, that you would add many more years to his life. Doing so, my God, I pray that he would testify of your goodness and of your mercy. We pray, God, that you would comfort them all in this time. God, that you would let hope arise within each of their hearts. And that through this, God, that you would draw them closer to you and to each other, we pray. We pray even now, God, as we open your word, that, Father, you would speak. And that, Lord, we would respond in obedience. That ultimately, God, our lives, Father, would bring glory and honor to your name and into your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to everyone. If you want to go ahead and turn to Romans 8, verses 37 through 39. So we ended with chapters 15 and 16, which gave us a clear picture of the cross. And not only did it give us a clear picture of the cross, the expression of God's love to us, it gave us a greater understanding of the resurrection. And in the hope that we have, because Christ Jesus, our Lord, was resurrected from the dead. The victory that has been given to us, that has defeated sin and death, that sin and death will no longer have power over us, but that we can be transformed. And that's the key word, this transformation that takes place in our lives. This ongoing process, if you would, of maturing, this ongoing process that He begins within us to sanctify us, this ongoing process that as we obey Him, as we continue to seek Him, that we will begin to continue to be transformed into His likeness. Not that we would become Him. Not that we believe that we will become gods. But that we recognize 
that we are submitted to His authority, to His Lordship. That we recognize that we have been engrafted into His kingdom, where the Bible says that now we are children of God. That we have been adopted, that He has given us the right to call Him Abba, to call Him Daddy. God. The Creator of heaven and earth. The one who spoke and the, and the earth was formed. The one who, who purposed the cross even before he spoke and formed the earth. The cross was already purposed. And I've been encouraging us to really grasp hold of that understanding. That the cross, this display of love, this display of God's love for mankind. Nothing can compare to it. No matter what you will find in the temporalness of this life can compare to the eternal love of our God. That's why the Bible, when it declares that God's love endures forever, and in that we should praise Him, in that we should each day awaken with this understanding that God's love will always endure. And sometimes I have to sit down for myself, and, and I would encourage you maybe even for yourself, but for me, I have to really look at this because for the majority of my life, I was told how God hated me. And that kept me from Him for so many years. People with good intentions would tell me how much God hated me. And you know what? I was subject to God's wrath. Same as you. Before we came to Christ, or be, before Christ, before we accept the fullness of, of this free gift of salvation, we were subject to His wrath because we were enemies of His kingdom. And the lifestyle I chose for myself to participate in, I was an abomination. But see, what they missed out in sharing with me, but just as much as that was, uh, was his abomination, just as much as I was going to experience his wrath, no one really ever set me down and explained the fullness of his love. So for the majority of my life, I thought this God, this creator that everyone is talking about, just hated me. That I was created just for the purpose of his wrath. And so in return, I hated him. But when he, God, was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son Jesus, the same as it is with each of you, God is pleased to reveal himself to you through Jesus. There's no other way to God except through Jesus. And you can try all the other religions out there. You can seek all the other religions and faiths that are out there, but they're all in up empty. There's not another faith out there that has the fullness and completeness of God's provision for mankind. From one person who has tried a lot of stuff out there. There's always this constant seeking and seeking 
and emptiness and emptiness and trying in my own strength. It is only in faith in Christ that I realized and I came to an understanding and I pray that you all come to an understanding that in this life of Christianity, in this relationship with the living God, it's not of my works. There's nothing I can do. Because Christ did everything already. Christ himself accomplished what was needed for us to be restored back to God. For us to be able to live out our purpose. For us to be eternal people. Not temporal people. Not just settling for the things of this world, but the, the understanding of, 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 of eternity with God. Like He willingly laid His life down. And the Bible says that He loved us, yet though we were in complete rebellion. No one will ever love you like that. It's the love of God. God's love. And so over the next few weeks, it's kind of what we're really, really going to kind of go back to. And I know we've talked about it before, but I want to go back to it because after going through the book of Mark and, and realizing that this gospel was written to a time and an age where Christians were under intense persecution realizing what they were facing, and they were constantly being reminded all through that gospel to keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember who He was and who He is. So I want to kind of keep Jesus before us. I, I want us to really grasp the fullness of God's love, you all, and how that should be impacting your lives every day. Every day. Do you know that God loves you? I mean, settle that within your own heart. Do you really understand what that means? It's not just some wimpy kind of phrase that makes him this weak-willed God. No, let me tell you something. Like, when God Almighty steps into your life, when God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, steps in and reveals himself to you, you can't help but humble yourself before him. There's no greater power. None at all. You've heard me share over and over, the moment I was going to take my life, He could have let me. He didn't have to step in. I wasn't looking for Him. And my heart already settled that I hated Him. And my heart already enjoyed the darkness more than I even desired anything of light. But the moment that I was about to take my life, he steps in right behind me and says, today you'll live. And just as he speaks to me, spoke to me, he speaks to us. He speaks to mankind. If you would just turn to me, you'll live. If you choose to continue to go your way, you'll die. And in that moment, to feel his love, to feel his embrace, to feel this acceptance, to feel this, what, you know, this, 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 this presence of just complete purity, complete wholeness, complete healing, complete holiness. And you just go like, oh God, you're real. And no one could have taught me that. No one could have, have, has, have, could have 
you know, conjured up this experience for me. But God Himself. And He's not a respecter of persons. He's been doing that since day one. Stepping in to the lives of His created. Revealing Himself. Because He's a just God. In order for Him to be able to be just, he has to be faithful to what he has already established. He's got to be able to say, I have revealed myself to you. It was your choice not to love me back. It was, it'll be your choice. It'll be my choice to say, no, you're not God. Like every day you all to settle within yourself that he's God. To get up daily, no matter what your circumstances are, and to begin to praise him. No matter what, no matter what knowledge you have of him, even if it's just a small bit, you can still praise him for that. Because as you grow and as you mature, you begin to transform even more. Listen, let's not take lightly what the word of God says. You're born again. And you're born of the Spirit. So you're to walk according to the Spirit. But think about this week. Think about this morning. How's your walk in the Spirit been? Are you gratifying more the flesh? Because that which what you give yourself to, you'll become. And it'll take hold of you stronger and stronger and stronger because that is what you're identifying with. But as believers, as Christians, as those who say we have surrendered our lives to Christ, we have, we have received this great salvation, we have the hope in Christ that will never disappoint us. We have the renewal, this new birth within us that gives us this right to, to live a different life, to be transformed. There's nothing to hide you all. That's why Christianity and the way it should be lived and expressed to the world is a faith of, of transparency. It's a faith of we're not hiding, we're not trying to be good, we're not pretending to be good. No, we're just living this out. We're trusting God. We're honoring Him, and when we don't, we're quick to repent. We're quick to turn from what we've given ourselves to. Because why would we give ourselves to something that's lesser than the very one who came? I tell you all, it's time for the church to know her identity. It's time for the church to understand the one who's coming back for us. The hope that we have of his great return. It's time for the church to see and awaken within this generation to understand the desperate hour in which we're in. We talk about it a lot here. The world is growing darker and darker and darker. And the church is not to be afraid. The church is not to be hiding. No, the church should be fanning the flame within her so she can burn brighter. That we would be the hope even when our message is rejected. That we would continue to be the hope, because that's what we've been commissioned to do. Go out 
and share the good news. Tell of the one who came to save mankind from his wrath. We've talked about it again here before. God saved us from himself. <laughs> his wrath. We weren't meant to be objects of his wrath. So why would we settle for that when he's made a way out through himself? Like no greater love you all. Like a man will lay down his life or his friends, and that's what Jesus did. But isn't it funny that God gets a bad rap? Everyone's quick to blame God. Everyone's quick to curse God. Everyone's ready to point their finger at God and list a million charges against him. just clay. We're just dust. And we think we can stand and we can do that to God. We could probably get away with it now. But in the end, would it really be worth it? If we would put just as much energy and commitment to seeking Him instead of blaming Him, we would get a whole different perspective of who God is. You can blame God. And you can hate God. And you can choose to list as many charges against God, but that does not stop Him from being God. I'm telling you, when I read the book of Revelation, and I see that even in the end, when this earth is being bombarded left and right, God is trying to reveal himself more and more in the midst of chaos hitting this earth. God is trying to reveal himself more and more. And there will still be people on this earth who will say, you're not God. You know, Jesus himself said, only a few will find the narrow path. Wow. See, there's work for us to do, you all. If you're calling yourself a Christian, you've been entrusted with truth. Not to water it down, but to preach it and to speak it clearly in hopes that others would respond to it. So God's love. Romans 8, 37-39. The first set of scriptures we're going to look at is God's love shown through Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37-39. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons... Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, you all, can separate us from His love. This great love that he has. 
But as I've been encouraging you, don't be misguided. Don't fall in to the, to the trap of the enemy. And as we're hearing it out there, we're quick to tell people, God loves you. In which he does. But don't stay there. You have to share what he did because of his great love for us. There's a lot of people who will talk about God's love and that's fine with them, but if you bring up Jesus, then they have an issue. But you can't fully understand God's love if you fully don't understand who Jesus is. Because John 3.16, as we know, declares for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And you've heard me say before, if the message was only about God's love, then everyone would be entering in. Because the majority of people will maybe understand, okay, well, God loves me. But it's a whole different understanding and a revelation of God's love when Jesus steps into the picture. It's because of his love, he gave Christ. He, he gave himself. And it's through your faith and that belief that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal Life. Your faith and your hope is just not in God's love, but it's in the expression of God's love through Christ. Crucified. Resurrected. It's that hope. It's that faith. And it just can't be the message of the cross because the Word of God even declares if our message was just the cross, then that would be foolishness. You have to understand it's the fullness of what God purposed through the cross, the resurrection. It is because that he rose from the dead that we can have this hope of a new life. We don't have to continue to live the way we've been living. We don't have to continue to be enslaved to the mindsets that we find ourselves enslaved in. We don't have to continue to live in rebellion towards God. We don't have to continue to live with this temporal hunger within inside us that just seeks the things that are created instead of seeking the one who is the creator. The created will never, will never satisfy us. We just want more. Be careful what is luring you. Be careful of the things that are in your life that are contrary to God's truth. And as the days are growing evil, the more those things would rise up. The things of this world, the created things of this world, will try to present themselves to you as more pleasurable than God. Temporal relationships that distract you from your eternal relationship. Be careful of what you're giving yourself to daily. Mindsets and attitudes, grievances that you hold within your heart because you're broken, you're rebellious, 
You're angry. We all can go around the room. We all can tell of what's been done to us. But let us start declaring what's been done for us. Amen. We all have a sad story. Because we're all sinners. Broken people hurt people. Break other people. Heal people. People who have been made right with God, who are in wholeness, who are complete in Christ, begins to be transformed into people that then have the expression of love to bring the healing, comfort, and message of Christ to others. We're not seeking as Christians to serve ourselves any longer. No, our mission now is how can I serve you? See, that's Christianity. And if that's not your Christianity, then I would ask that you really get before Christ and just recognize, are you truly saved? Because there's a lot of people who are around, are around calling themselves Christians and they're not doing the will of the Father. If your Christian life is more focused on you, it's all about me, myself, and I, that's not the Christian life Christ came to give. Jesus stripped himself and allowed him, himself to become one who would be beaten, despised, rejected, crucified for you. And he even tells us that they hated me, they're going to hate you. This world is not our home. That's why we must grow, you all. That's why we must continue to seek and to mature. That's why we must hang on to the scripture which was just read. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. God is love. It has been established. Even before the earth was formed, God's love established. Such great love for you. Turn to Him. Seek Him. Why He may still be found. All through Scripture, it's the constant theme that God is saying to His people, Turn to me. Return to me. Seek me. He's given us the opportunity, you all. Careful that you're not missing it. For God so loved the world, you all. Romans 5 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while. I'm sorry, for us while we were still sinners. And again, this understanding, we were in complete rebellion towards His kingdom. And yet because of His love, He sends Christ to, re to redeem us, to, to, to bring us back to Him. That's the message of the gospel, you all. That's what we're presenting to others. 
That's what we have said we believe in. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Are you living in that freedom today? Are you living in the fullness of of understanding the hope that is in Christ and what He has accomplished for you? Are you understanding the fullness of His love for you? Are you getting a glimpse of His kingdom? Are you recognizing that there's no power greater than God's? Like His kingdom, y'all. And Jesus Christ now is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that place and that position of authority. And I love it that the only time we really see in Scripture that He stood up from there is when Stephen was being stoned. Stephen was being stoned to death, and as he looked up, he declared that he could see Christ standing. I can only imagine when the lives of Christians are taken on this earth. Christ stands. And those martyrs, those men and women who are dying even to this day for their faith in Christ. I pray they'd find comfort as Stephen did. That they would see him standing. I mean, people are losing their lives all over the world because of this message of such great love. Does that even make sense? That governments, rulers, all throughout the ages and the ages to come, hate this message. I mean, the simplicity of the message. That God sent His Son because of His love for mankind to redeem mankind. And as mankind receives this love, and accepts Christ as Lord, then they are to live lives that honor God and honors authorities. You would think governments would want Christians. Because Christians should not be the ruthless, vile people of the earth. No, they should be the humble ones. They should be great workers. They should be good stewards. They should be law-abiding They're not looking out for themselves. They're looking out for others. And yet, the world will not accept this message or accept Christians because they're blinded to the truth. And so Christians, even from the beginning, have been trying to be snuffed out. The enemy will love nothing more than to pervert God's people, God's word, God's truth. The enemy will love nothing more than to wage war and kill Christians in hopes to stop this message, and yet God's love endures forever. Nothing will hinder what God has purposed. Mankind, no matter how hard their heart is towards God, is not going to stop God from being 
God. But if you really think about it, this word that you hold, it has been from the beginning trying to be torn out of the hands of mankind. Oh, but Christ, Jesus, stands. And Stephen is being martyred for his faith. Listen. How do others see you as a Christian? If you're calling yourself a Christian. You're to represent Christ. The Word of God says you're now an ambassador to His kingdom. You're to represent this message of such great love. This message of hope, of rebirth. This message that says you're no longer who you were. You're now in Christ. And it's now about who you're becoming. So you can't let your past continue to define you. You can't let your sad story continue to be what drives you every day for the decisions that you're making. And I don't belittle, I'm not making fun or making light of your sad story because I got my own. But as Christians, we've got to start getting up over ourselves. We've got to stop tripping up over the old life. And we've got to start really seeing the new life that's within us and before us. I mean, what are you giving thought to? When you go to make a decision, what is your first thought? Is it towards your old life? Or is it towards your new life? If it's towards your old life, then just grow from there. Stop returning. No, Teach, seek, and, and allow Him to teach you how you're to live now. Seek godly counsel on how you should be applying the Word of God to your life because the Word of God says you just can't be a hearer of the Word. You must be a doer of it. Amen. And not just halfway, partial. No, like every day, every moment, of every hour, of every second. That's why the Word of God says take every thought captive that is contrary to God's truth. How much time are you spending in this word? Because if you don't know the truth, you're not free. Amen. And how are you going to take thoughts captive if you don't know him? And the thoughts to replace them with. Like when you make a decision, when, when you choose to, 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 to react or to, to go forward in something or to give yourself to... What is it based on? That's why we must be slow to speak. And the Bible is very clear on how we ought to be living. You lacking in your Christian life is not God's fault, it's yours. Because that means you're choosing not to grow. Like each day he sets before you life or death and he even tells you, choose life. Yeah. Choose life. Stop partaking of the things of this world. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the fruit of your labor, but the fruit of your labor shouldn't be what's mastering you. Christ should be your master. And this is the hope in which we have. And this is where you find that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He understands that nature. 
That's why he came to destroy it. Because of his resurrection, sin and death are destroyed. Sin is not to be your master. Your old nature is not what's to be controlling you. You're to consider it dead, but alive in Christ. Have you seen yourself that way? Do you know of yourself that way? If not, you ought to get on your knees and seek to have this understanding. Go to Ephesians. Chapter 2. Four through five. Ephesians two, verses four through five. It says, But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us, I'm moving on to verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And I'll end in verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So look at this. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Thank God, you all. God's plan. God's grace. Listen, it's not about good works. There's nothing you can do That makes you right with God. And as a Christian, it's not about the rules and the laws and the do's and the don'ts. But in that understanding, you don't twist it up and say, well, then I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Because you're not living by the old nature. That's how the old nature thinks. Well, if God loves me, then I can do whatever I want because he still loves me, so... Remember, because of God's love, he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus himself said, when Nicodemus came to him and said, how can one enter eternal life? Jesus says, one must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, well, how can I go back up in my mother and come out? And Jesus is like, no, Nicodemus, you must be born of the Spirit. So again, like I was saying earlier, to be born again is a way that you're living different now. You're not seeking to live your way. No, you're seeking to know your God. How is my life now to be lived to honor you? And that's a daily prayer. That you're submitting yourself to God daily. 
there's always going to be those trials that come into your life. There's always going to be this, these temptations that are set before you. And especially as the world is growing darker, as I said earlier, there's going to be so much more stuff pressing up against you to strip you of your new nature, of your new identity. But it has no power over you unless you choose to allow it to master you. Because when those things are pressing up against you, God is there, the Holy Spirit is quick to remind you who you are, don't go that way. Who you are, keep your mouth shut. Who you are, take those thoughts captive. He's not going to do it for you. Because you remember how love is displayed? You lay your life down. And each and every single day, the cross through our lives is still being displayed for all creation to see and to know that He is God. So that's why each and every day, it's no, I'm laying my life down. No, I'm not giving myself to this. No, I'm not going to allow myself to to speak that way. No, I'm not allowing myself to react this way. No, I'm not giving in to this temptation, even though it seems to be really pleasurable. No, because I know ultimately I was made for eternity with God, not for the temporalness of this life. And the last thing I want is to be seen with the dirt on my hands and the scars on my heart. Because you recognize that you are the bride of Christ. And you're to be without spot or blemish. You're to be preparing daily for His return. There's a way in which we ought to be lived. And it's God's grace that transforms us. God's grace is not a license to continue to sin. No, it's the power to transform your life. So when things are pressing up against you, allow grace to do its work in and through you to transform you. No, thank you. I don't need that. No, Thank you. I don't need to find my worth in this because my worth is in Christ. Listen, if you're still seeking for the things of this world to find your worth in, you're foolish. Because the things of this world will leave you high and dry, empty, broken. But the love of Christ, the the, the grace of God, the wholeness, in him, nothing can compare to it. Nothing. And I love the fact that the Word of God says that he, look what it says here, has equipped you so that you may do the works in which he purposed for you to do. You are purposed, you all, to do the will of God. But how is our Christian lives, you all? How are you doing living the newness of life? What are you setting your heart towards? Oh, that we would wake up from our slumber and that we would set our hearts towards Christ. Mm. I've been speaking to a few people over the past few weeks. And it seems like Christians are being bombarded. A more intense um, warfare is plaguing Christians on this earth. They're lost, their identity. They don't even, they're out of place where they don't even know Christ. All 
for what? Because of the things that are pressing up against them. The issues of the heart that are plaguing them. Because we've taken our eyes off of Christ. And we've placed it on everything else. We give more attention to the temporalness of life. And remember what I said earlier. We're quick to tell our sad story. But we're not quick to tell of the good story. The gospel. The good news. We are quick to complain about our lives. When yet we ought to be quick to give thanks for our lives. We're quick to put our hand towards filth that will lead us towards destruction. And yet we're called to put our hands towards the plow to do the works in which he has called us to for his kingdom. See, a Christian life, it's all about his kingdom and for his glory. To do the will of your Father. And I love it, the Word of God says that He's given us everything we need to live this godly life. See, when temptation is set before us, the Word of God says He'll he'll make a way out. And so many times we just stay so focused on that struggle, so focused on what's pressing up against us that we're missing the door that leads us that way towards Christ. And you wonder why we keep falling. You wonder why we keep pressing in to the, the temporalness of life. It's because we're choosing. We're choosing to believe that He's not God. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know where you're at today or what you'll face tomorrow. One thing I do know is He's God. And there's been many things over these years of my walk with Christ that have pressed up against me to make me want to turn and say, you're not God. There's been many seasons in this walk with Christ that I have cursed Him. Many seasons in this walk with Christ that I think it's not even worth it to continue. And every time I find myself, when I reach those, uh, the lowest part of the valley, He steps in and reminds me. Of his great love. Oh, God. The Christian life is not always the mountain peaks where everything is glory and kumbaya and glory, hallelujah. No, the majority of your Christian walk is going to be walked in the valleys, very dark places. But the hope that we have is Christ is with us. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. Because nothing can separate you from His love. He is there. He is reminding you. This world is not your home. You're just a foreigner passing through. But burn brightly. Remember your identity. You're my child. You belong to me. No harm shall come upon you. Nothing shall over. Take you. Rise up and keep moving forward. Because the more that you rise up, the more that you keep moving forward, the more my love is displayed to all creation. And there are dying people on this earth that need to see my love displayed. 
And that's why you've heard me say and heard me preach before, get over yourself. That's why I have to get up daily and look in the mirror and tell myself to get over myself. It's not about you today, Rob. It's in those times where things are just hitting you left and right that you just say no. Like, when's the last time you stood up and declared truth? When's the last time you looked at your problems and you looked at your situations and you just declared truth? When is the last time that you took responsibility for what's happening around you because you got a bad attitude or you're burning with lust or whatever the issue may be and dealt with you instead of trying to fix and deal with everyone else? See, reality is, y'all, we've got to be Christians. Followers of Christ, not just by word. I'm a Christian. No, but by deed. Your heart is expressed by what you do. And that's why I've been challenging you all these past weeks. Do you love Him? Because if you love Him, you will obey Him. We are without excuse. Whatever sin that's in your life, whatever rebellion that you are choosing to live in, that is your choice. But trust me when I say this to you with love, why are you choosing His wrath? Why would you be choosing to remain in rebellion towards Him? When such great love is displayed and you know the truth and yet you're still looking at truth and you're saying, No. I rather do me. Listen, you all. Hear the word of the Lord. In this age and in this generation, church can't be church how it's been. And you look at the Western church. We have every type of church you could possibly ever imagine. We have every type of translation of Bibles at our disposal. We have every type of conference that you can possibly go to. We have thousands of Christians piling into different forms of of churches. And yet, what impact have we made? When we're so perverted, in our nation when we're turning against each other in our nation when we're allowing the race war to infiltrate the church when we are allowing perversion to run amok in the church when we're allowing just the filth of this world to dictate how the church will be ran When the church is cowering down and not standing up for truth. What are we doing? When such great love has been displayed to us. And that we're called to be an example of that love. That's why we must be awakened. And no man, no pastor, no woman, no evangelist, no one can make this plain to you. Only God Himself can reveal it to you. I've said over the past three weeks interviewing people, 
and I'm a part of a worldwide ministry. So one of the questions in the interview, the first question that I will ask you is, share your testimony with me on how you came to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And my heart breaks a lot of times because that question is already given to them on their application. And my heart breaks a lot of times because they're quick to tell me how long they've been in church. And they have no concept of accepting Christ as Savior. When I sit in interviews and I ask that question, I love when I hear the people speak and they say, you understand, Rob, for many years I've sat in church and I heard the pastor share the gospel over and over and over and over again. But it wasn't until I was at the age of, boom, whatever age, that one day I was sitting there and it was like all of a sudden, everything became clear to me. And the same words will come out of these strangers' mouth. God revealed himself. And every time I hear that, I go, God, you're so awesome. See, man can't teach this to you all. Only God can bring revelation of himself to you. Because God is pleased to reveal himself to you. That's why Paul can say, the gospel I preach, no man taught it to me. No, God was pleased to reveal himself to me. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through a man or a woman preaching the gospel, but it's not the man or the woman's job to bring you to God. It's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit pulling you closer to Him. It's the revelation and the knowledge of God that He gives you so that it's a personal choice that when you surrender to Him and say, You are my God, I follow You. That's beautiful. That could take a rebellious heart and melt it to a heart of love. Yes, Lord. Your life, again, is to still to be displaying the love of God as you crucify your old desires, as you recognize the old man being nailed to the cross and moving forward each day, growing in Christ. 1 John, the last verse for today. 1 John 4, 9 through 11. I'm going to change it. We're going to do um, 1 John 4, but it's going to be verse 7 through 21. So as we understand and as we see God's love expressed through Christ, it compels us to live a different life. A life that honors Him. And look what these scriptures say here. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another 
For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And that is, be mindful that the love in which we're talking about is not the love displayed in the temporal world. Where our music and our movies and the books and everything tries to display this love. Where we conjure up our, our emotions and our feelings and we slap love on them. We're so quick to tell people, I love you, and yet then we'll be so quick to curse them. We're so quick to see love being perverted. Because we have this false concept of what love is. A young man will tell a young woman, I love you, and yet take the woman's innocence from her, all for his sexual gratification, that's not love. A young woman will pursue a young man and arouse him sexually, tell her him she loves him, and oh, what a big man you are, and strip the young man's innocence, and yet she's been with 12 other men. And somehow the world says, that's love. Marriage is being redefined in our generation, not just by the homosexual movements, but by the heterosexual people who are just giving themselves over and over and over again. And they're calling themselves married, and they're not even married. And so the marriage covenant, this ideal, this expression, what God has created is being perverted. And for what? Because we love each other. We're so lost in this concept and expression of love that we're just giving ourselves to everything and anything. Because we have a right to it. Look at what's all over social media. This foreign, this odd concept of love. And yet, we're buying into it. We're moved by it. Look how love has been the, the, the truest expression of love. God is love, and God's love has been perverted. So that the created being is confused about what love is. See, you got to know your enemy. Satan is real. His legions of demons are real. The spiritual realm is, is real. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers of the darkness. That kingdom has been defeated. So we have the victory over it, but we don't boast in it of ourselves. No, we boast in the one who came to destroy it. And yet, the enemy is quick to deceive as many as he can, to drag them to hell with him, because he knows that is where he's heading. 
The Bible says that as the time approaches to Christ's return, the enemy is going to pour out his fury because he knows his time is near. And yet there's too many people marching along with him. Too many Christians twerking. Too many Christians stripping their bodies down and trying to boast within themselves of these images so others can be attracted to them. Too many Christians giving in to the ways of this world, trying to find some type of acceptance and hope in this world, and yet they're being dragged to hell, but yet somehow, someway, they think they're safe because God loves them. And yet, they're crucifying Christ over and over and over and over again because they're making a mockery of his name because they're saying out of their mouth and others know when they go to church, they call themselves a Christian and yet you're making a mockery of God to those who are watching your life. And you make excuses for the blatant sin that you're giving yourself to. And the people around you are hearing your excuses. And so what hope then is in your God that came and gave himself for you who died and rose again? Apparently, what he accomplished wasn't enough. Because you can't live for him. What kind of craziness is that? What kind of craziness is that? Such great love being displayed, saving mankind, giving mankind the power to be born again, to be fresh and anew, to not go the ways of the world, who's given us his Holy Spirit, who resides in us. And the Bible says, as believers, you are not to live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. But let me ask you this. What have you done this week? What have you let your eyes gaze upon? What have you allowed your mind to go to? What words have come out of your mouth? What attitudes have you been carrying that you have gave yourself a right to and did not have the fear of God to not even go that direction? Do you realize you realize there is an enemy of your soul who's waging, raging war against you. And the Bible says that you're, be, you're to be as innocent as a dove and as wise as a serpent. See, we're children of light now. Darkness is not to have hold on us, but we are to recognize darkness. We are to discern darkness, and we are to warfare against darkness with the truth that has been given to us. That's why the Bible says that the word is the sword. Amen. But too many of us are laying down our swords. You're not called to lay down your sword. A good soldier would never give up. A good soldier will fight to the end. And we are to fight to the end, you all. Not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and the principalities and the air, the darkness. When's the last time you discerned hell breathing down your neck? And stood up in faith and began to declare God's truth. 
When's the last time you picked up your sword and you began to fight back? When's the last time that you began to take ground and not give up ground? When's the last time you start saying no to the things that are trying to wage war against you? When's the last time you were just desperate for God? To know that ultimately the battle is His, it's not mine. But I will stand, because the Bible says, after you've done all you know to do, then just stand in the assurance that He is God. He is for us and not against us. That God Himself says that the way you ought to be living is loving others. Because God is love. There's no darkness in him. He's not a man that he should lie. He's faithful to his word. And this is what he calls us to. For God is love. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to the full expression, listen to that, in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Listen, you all. It's maturing. Don't beat yourself down. Because you've slipped up or you failed. Don't fall prey to the enemy. It's confusion and lies and distortion. Remember, God is love. God loves me. And in that love, He sent His Son for me. And I receive and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I know that now God, through His Holy Spirit, dwells within me. I have been given this comforter, this guide, this teacher. He will lead me into truth. He will protect me. He will guard my heart and my mind. He will tame my tongue as I yield to Him. The fullness of God expressed in the Godhead in our lives. The fullness of His love being expressed as we learn and as we grow and we continue to put our trust in Him, our lives will be transformed. Don't expect me to be perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. But you should expect me to continue to grow and I should expect of you to continue to grow because as Christians there are standards in which God Himself has placed on the church. Not man, 
It's that standard of, of righteousness, of, of holiness, of seeking Him above all. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. <laughs> Look at this. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You don't have to be afraid of judgment if you're living like Jesus. Think of that. The confidence which you can have as a believer. You don't have to doubt your salvation. You don't have to doubt anything. If you're walking in the fullness of who Christ is, if you're seeking Him above all things, and you're growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, the day you take your last breath and you stand before God, you are found not guilty in the courtroom of eternity. Great news for those who will believe. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must love, I'm sorry, must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. God's love through Christ Jesus being displayed for all to see. And what you do with what you just heard, you're responsible for but it's my prayer that God would be pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus and that you would respond in such a way that would honor him. Or you can go back to the templeness of this life and seek to find fulfillment. But why would you desire that? Because the things that you think that you will find fulfillment in are the very things that are killing your soul. The flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that's to die. Look how quick you are when you get up from this place to go to the things of the flesh. Watch where your hands go when you get up from this place. Watch where your eyes go. Watch where your mouth goes. Watch where your desires go. The flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that's to die. That's why as Christians, we're not impressed with the world. We're not impressed with the new fad and the new thing that the world is trying to find fulfillment in. No, we see what that new fad is trying to do. It's trying to present itself security for those who are seeking wholeness 
No, that's why as Christians, we're not to be tainted by the things of this world or allow the things of this world to master us. We see it, but we don't flock to it. Careful then how you live. Careful then. Because God has been pleased to reveal himself to you. See, you're sitting here, and every time you have the opportunity to partake of hearing the gospel, of hearing anything that has to do about Jesus, God is revealing himself to you yet again. And you've heard me say, and the word confirms, so that in the end, when you stand before him, you will have no charge against him. And he would remind you of all the times I did step in. I did reveal myself to you. I was there. But depart from me. I don't know you. You worker of rebellion. You worker of sin. I'd love you enough to give you what you so even in his wrath, his love is being displayed. Because he loves you enough to say, if that's what you choose over me, have it. In Romans, it talks about he turns people over to their desires. If that's how you want to live, then go. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to force you to receive this free gift. It has to be a choice. It has to be a choice that you make to love Him back. That's why the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, and with all of your strength. So wherever you're at today, you all, I pray that you would just take a moment in time and just, just ask God, how am I to respond to what I've heard? Allow Him to lead you. Jesus is returning you all. And no one knows the day or the hour or the time, but what we do know until then, we're to be working. We're to be plowing the fields. We're to be the harvesters that are out there representing Him. Be careful of the distractions in your life. Some of us need to go and we need to start getting rid of the distractions. Some of us really just need to sit down and really start being good stewards of our time and of our resources. Some of us have got to look at what's been keeping us enslaved to where we're at and start making choices and say no more. And start doing the right thing. Start honoring God. Your circumstances may not change, but you will. Because the more that you honor God, the more that you begin to be transformed. And those things that have been nagging you and holding you down, they lose their power over you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So I'm going to close with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
So, Gilda, would you pray through this for us, read it, and then I'll just close this in prayer. Okay. Father, thank you for your word and for the hope that I have in Christ. I pray that I remain in your perfect peace as I am walking in obedience as the Holy Spirit leads me. It is my desire to serve you and to be a witness of your love. Your word declares that love is the greatest gift. You have stated that faith, hope, and love will last, and the greatest of these is love. I know that when it comes to dealing with the strong man of envy and jealous, that I am to bind myself to the love of God, for love covers all sins. You have called me to, the same, to have the same attitude of Christ my Savior and to shine brightly for Christ. I am to bind myself to the love walk, for I am to love as you have loved me. Your word declares that I am to live a life filled with love, following the example that you have set. Lord, you loved me and offered yourself as a sacrifice for me, a pleasing aroma to God. I am, all, I am also to bind myself to unity with Christ and with the body of Christ, the church. For you make the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I am to take my eyes off of everyone else and their gifts and allow you to mature me in my gift and call, calling. I am to let the Holy Spirit renew my thoughts and my attitudes. I am to put on my new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I am not to bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way I live. I am to remember He has identified me as His own, guaranteeing that I will be saved on the day of redemption. I am to initiate you in everything I do, imitate you in everything I do, because I am your child. I am to live a life filled with love, following your example. I am to carefully determine what pleases you. I am to take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead expose them. I am not to act thoughtlessly, but understand what you want me to do. The church is your body with many parts, and I am called to love and not be envious or jealous. I know that being envious and being jealous is destructive, and I am not to take part in destructive behavior. Forgive me for when I have acted out in those destructive behaviors. I choose to love and to live totally surrendered to you and your will. 
I know that my life is not my own. I have considered the cause, and I have received your salvation and love. Have your, have your way, Lord. May my life be a pleasing aroma unto you. May others see you in action as I live to choose out as I choose to live out the call upon my life to serve you and to love you with all my heart, all of my soul, and all of my body. In loving you, may I have a love for others that will see them as you see them and to love them as you love them. I don't want to be carried away by my own desires, so continue to remind me that you are the potter and I'm just a clay. In Jesus' name, amen.